Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. I'm masked up as we have two guests in the studio today. Uh, this is episode number 101, and today we're talking to the guys from Phoenix. It's a subscription service that has given uh, the ability to, um, just scrolling here, uh, the ability uh, to, uh, for, okay, I'm going to start. Okay, sorry. Um, Phoenix, sorry guys. Phoenix is a subscription service that has given uh, the ability for Abu Dhabi residents and visitors com to conveniently travel uh, across the city uh, by the Middle East. First private e-scooter. Uh, with, so basically it's with the affordability of weekly or monthly free, which is the subscription. Um, this would offer unlimited rides and a smart app, which is really cool. I just downloaded it to locate the scooter and free maintenance with no questions asked vehicle, uh, replacements in less than 24 hours. They are committed, uh, to the Middle East region. They want to trans transform the way our cities move and ignite Im impactful uh, commerce. Today, we're joined by Jadeep Danoa. He's the CEO and IQ Said, the CTO of Phoenix, their company, which, uh, company, which they co-founded. Uh, and, uh, they were previously colleagues at Kareem, uh, and a former. So yeah, we'll talk about that also. Uh, I'm not really not doing a good job here. <laughs> IQ is an entrepreneur who has founded previous companies before Phoenix. Both of them created Phoenix. Uh, with a vision to unleash the urban potential and propel communities forward. Today, we will be talking about the Phoenix business story, e-scooter subscriptions in Abu Dhabi, and the wider team of smart mobility. Hi, guys. Welcome. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. You're very bright. It's a colorful uh, show today. Um, I love the branding. Well done. Hey, who's the creative person? Uh, not here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. He's the creative He's a creative person. CTO and uh, CCO. <laughs> no, actually, uh, a lot of people contribute to it, and uh, we are really happy and proud of that. Uh, we had some marketing folks, but uh, everyone involved contributed to the branding ideas. And what we eventually came up with, uh, we are very happy with that. Uh, everybody just loves it as soon as they see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pops. It's, so for people listening and not on the video, we've got bright reds, bright yellow, purple, um, it's cool branding. We said, so how did the journey start? Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, thank you for having us on the show. Uh, very excited to share our story, right? Uh, both IQ and I were, were met at uh, Kareem, right? Which is, of course, a remarkable story on its own. And uh, when we uh, got into mobility, I think the whole idea was we want to, you know, change the way we move in cities, right? Uh, not just private car ownership. And uh, that's what we were starting with, uh, with, with ride hailing. But uh, we felt that, you know, there was a, a floor on like how affordable and convenient a ride hail car could be. And we weren't able to reach, you know, 90% of the population. It was more of a premium product, right? And, and that's, that was really the genesis for what we now call micro mobility, mm. right? Which is a right size for the right ride, mm. right? If we look at most of our movement today, it's inside cities actually primarily single passenger trips, right? You don't need a 2000 kg vehicle with a private chauffeur 
to move a hundred kg passenger. Is that how much they weigh the, the cars? Two thousand kgs? Uh, yeah, and an electric car is actually four thousand kgs. Really? Okay. Right. So all that cost is not going to move you. It's going to move the car. Mm. Right. Uh, and so that that's really the the the, the backdrop is. You know, let's unbundle the car. Let's look at all the different use cases. A major one is moving single passengers short distances in cities,、mm. right? And we can do that more efficiently with a smaller form factor, like an e-scooter, an electric bike, what have you, right? That may, weighs only twenty kgs, but is already self-driving. You drive yourself, right? And、uh, has a much Lower price point.、Uh, yeah. It's actually a lot of fun, and it's very convenient to zip around. Okay, so、uh, amazing. So、uh, we, I, I will talk in detail about the service and the offering and and what you do.、Um, Phoenix, how, what does it mean? What was the idea? What year did it start?、Uh, <clears throat> the name Phoenix、uh, obviously has the connotations of、uh, rebirth. So、uh, we have previously done this venture before,、uh, and、uh, for this region, our hypothesis or our thesis was that、uh, just like any other region, mobility is a basic need, and currently cars are just insufficient, just like anywhere else、mm. uh, in the world. They are just insufficient to provide or cater to all the different modes.、Mm. Um, car has its essential; it, it plays the, an essential and important role,、uh, but you also need. To have micro and mass transit combined to fulfill a lot of the other use cases,、mm. um, and Jadeep, as he mentioned, the efficiency of that, but also affordability of that as well.、Mm. So, if we wanna reach the masses, we need to explore various different types of、uh, transport transportation.、Mm. So, we have been on this、uh, mission for a while, and we are doing this、uh, new venture now that is、uh, completely focused on this region.、Um, Particularly GCC, but、uh, broader in our region as well. Okay.、Um, and mobility problems in general are within our scope,、uh, focusing on micro mobility,、um, not just the scooter,、mm. but、uh, exploring various types of uh, modalities, uh, different types of vehicles, different types of use cases. Interesting. Yeah.、Uh, so you guys are the co-founders. Is there another partner, or、uh, what, what's the kind of setup that you have? Yeah, I mean, we've got a, a full team, right?、Uh, and it takes a team to to make a a, a vision a reality, right?、Uh, and yes, we started operations back in November,、mm. right?、Uh, so it's been、uh, just about uh, uh, three months now, two and a half months. A, yeah. When was the idea conceived?、Uh, I guess in the summer. Yeah. Right. Here,、uh, very new, cool. Right.、Uh, that's when we started working on Phoenix. But, yeah.、Uh, yeah. We launched in November. And、uh, we're very happy with the early results.、Uh, mm. We're actually already the the leader in the region,、uh, in two countries and four cities and growing,、mm. right?、Um, and、uh, we have a, a few different,、uh, I guess, products that、uh, we're bringing to the market,、um, both a shared e-scooter service and a private subscri- subscription service、mm. called My Phoenix,、uh, which you were referencing at the start. Okay. Okay. A quick thought,、uh, just to supplement that,、uh, you asked about、uh, when the concept、uh, came into being. So last summer, obviously, like the whole world was suffering from、uh, COVID and post-COVID、uh, lockdowns, obviously, and it wasn't clear at that time to a lot of people、um, how, what kind of modes of transportation are the are the most suitable.、Mm. Now, what we were already starting to see, and also very strongly believed in, 
was that micromobility is one of those very few modes that actually works very well in mm. a post-COVID world mm. or mid-COVID world because there is natural isolation with uh, this mode. So with any other shared type of transportation, even in a car, you are at least in close proximity to a driver. Mm. And in mass transit, obviously, there's a lot more people. Uh, so micromobility actually helps relieve a lot of stress on the other modes of transportation. Mm. And as an individual, you feel a lot safer. And more specifically, we looked at this problem of like how to give even more reassurance to our consumers about the micro vehicle being safe. Mm. So we came up or rather the team came up with the idea that we should have an integrated uh, hand sanitizer uh, or hand sanitization dispenser with the scooter. So this is our own innovation in-house by the team. Mm. Um, the only scooter in the world or company offering such a scooter uh, where the user can be really reassured about uh, their safety. So mm. they basically sanitize their hands just before and just after mm. riding the scooter. So it keeps them, them safe as well as the other uh, riders who will come after that. Interesting. So when we look at smart mobility and we can discuss it in different aspects, uh, how do you, as entrepreneurs, how do you assess the opportunity? Because you can, you can, this, when an ecosystem, when a new trend is emerging and when there's a lot of appetite and investment from all angles, whether it's batteries, whether it's service, whether it's whatever, how do you assess where to go? And then how do you execute on that? And can you talk a little bit about the scooter ecosystem in the region and a little bit about the journey, no pun intended, that the scooters have been on in the last sort of five, six years? Yeah, that's a <laughs> big question. Yeah. Right. Um, look, I, I think big picture, we see mobility as a means to an end. Mm. Right. Uh, people generally are not moving just to move. They're moving because they want to get somewhere and they want to do something. Right. And uh, uh, it's not evenly accessible, actually. Uh, we like One thing we like to share is that mobility, in many ways, is a regressive tax where the less you make, the more you pay in terms of share of income and in terms of time. Can you explain that? So um, the richest of us right, own cars, live close to work, mm. right? And, uh, and maybe we spend 1% of our income on transportation and we get to work in 15 minutes, mm. right? Most of the population is using public transit, right? Uh, and they have much lo longer commute times, mm. right? That could be an hour each way. It could be... 90 minutes each way, right? Uh, even longer in some cities, right? Uh, and that is also a, a pretty significant uh, tax, right? Because if you're awake 16 hours and four hours is spent commuting, that's four hours you could be doing other things. Mm. You could be working and earning. You could be um, nurturing your mm. family, mm. right? Your children. The opportunity cost right? is there. Yes, yeah. yes, right? You could be learning. You could be taking care of your health, mm. sleeping, exercise, right? Uh, that's a long-term cost, right? You could be consuming and enjoying life, experiencing life. Yeah. Right? Uh, so so that that's part of where our mission statement comes from. Right? Mm. We want to unleash urban potential, propel communities forward, make it uh, more affordable and convenient for everyone, right? And uh, so, so when we're thinking about the mobility landscape and the smart mobility landscape, it's not that there's like one size that fits all. Right, it needs to be a multimodal transportation network, right? Uh, that has different uh, modalities for different needs, mm. right? Of course, there are the mega trends around like electric, 
um, automation, uh, mobility as a service, uh, things of that nature, moving to shared instead mm. of just owned, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we're trying to plug into some of those uh, trends, mm. right? Um, uh, because there, there are the, the the macro externalities that we're also all paying the cost for, right? Mm. Uh, like traffic, right, uh, is a big cost, right? Mm. Uh, more people are moving into cities and everyone's getting into cars, right? Uh, that means the traffic is getting worse, mm. right? Uh, we can... Uh, imp- increase the throughput on our existing infrastructure, we can reduce the, the traffic cost, right? Uh, air pollution, right? Uh, as a, a massive health hazard for in, in many, many cities, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which which comes primarily from transportation, mm. right? If you can accelerate the transition to electric, mm. right? Which has no carbon emissions, right? That's a, a, a huge net positive, mm. right? Of course, as the global warming uh, price as well, right? Uh, and, and transportation is the number one emitter. Of carbon emissions, um, I can. You, you probably have some thoughts as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, some quick thoughts to add to that. Um, one is that as entrepreneurs, when we look at the opportunities out there for mobility, so some some of that we already talked about, like how there is the still potential with cars, but kind of like reaching its saturation point, right? Um, then what else is there? Obviously, there is autonomous driving. I have some background in that. Um, there is huge potential there, obviously, in, in saving lives. But it's also a very long-term project. Uh, its impact is going to be there in two to ten years, mm. um, even like liberally or optimistically speaking, right? Mm. So if you want to have impact today, what can we do uh, with our creative energies, with our technical background? with our business acumen and also our desire to make a difference for people, right? Mm. So micromobility is here. It's uh, also quite innovative. It's uh, enabled by well, some relatively recent advances in tech as well. Mm. So Such as the compact motor, yeah. uh, the powerful batteries mm. and the IoT. Mm. Uh, these things enable a small, relatively small vehicle to be able to drive uh, relatively, you know, like, uh, a big um, weight, right, uh, mm-hmm. person, um, and also be connected and allow the shared use case, right? Um, so, but this is just the start. We don't necessarily think that the all the different micro mobility vehicles of the future are going to be smoother. They may look very different, and that's why we also want to invest into R and D as well. Okay. Um, that so we want to figure out what are those different types of personal use vehicles that can serve those various different use cases. And just to add one more um, a turn on this, right? Uh, we talk about like the form factor, right? Uh, and enabling you know, different types of smart vehicles, right? There's also the business model, mm. right? Uh, so, um, you know, historically it's been a retail uh, business, right? Uh, people buy a car, right? Uh, a lot of people also buy scooters mm. uh, here in Dubai, mm. right? Uh, now we, we have, uh, you know, we, we pioneered shared e-scooters in the Middle East, right, as, as another business model where you don't own it, you, you pay per per ride, right, uh, and, you know, you start and end, you know, door to door, right? And now uh, the latest innovation that we've introduced is the private subscription, mm. where, again, I mean, you don't own it, right, uh, but you get a vehicle you can like, rent delivered to your house, right, for free with the perks of the shared scooter, where mm. it's, it's a smart vehicle, internet connected, mm. right? Uh, you can track it and locate it in your app. Um, it includes free maintenance, free insurance, mm. right? Uh, which 
we take for granted with car purchases, we don't have available micro mobility today. Mm -hmm. Right, so Phoenix is offering that, right? Uh, and uh, and and you get to uh, see, uh, you know, is this something that I'm really going to use, mm. right, at a bite sized price instead of paying like, you know, two, three, four thousand dirhams, mm. right, uh, for a vehicle which you don't know what the quality level is, right? You can try it for two hundred dirhams a month, yeah, right, um, and that means it's within reach of. A lot more people, right? Yeah. Uh, even lower income segments that are making 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 dirhams a month can afford to pay 200 dirhams for their mobility. Yeah. Amazing. It's great to hear how entrepreneurs uh, assess an opportunity and how, you, how you've kind of framed this as well for Phoenix. Uh, you know, so in summary, uh, you look at uh, smart mobility as the macro trend. You look at this region. You look at where the opportunities are in the short term. It's more about... Uh, micro mobility as opposed to uh, self-driving cars and things like that, or even other things that ha might happen in the sky <laughs> for now. And flying taxis, flying taxis, exactly. But even with, even by narrowing it down, you're still doing subscription. You're doing uh, products. You have a nice app. You have a CTO. You, um, you. I want to ask about manufacturing, and you're doing microfinance as well. Uh, so even you've narrowed it down, it's still complex. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, lots of things go into that. Uh, obviously, there is a frictionless user experience. Mm. Um, you want the user to have to do the littlest possible to take a ride. Mm. Um, you want to have your vehicles available really close to them. So obviously, you can do that by having a lot of vehicles. Uh, but that obviously requires a whole lot of investment, can mm. potentially lead to underutilization on a per scooter basis. So you want to actually deploy them in areas where they would see the maximum use, right? Mm. So there is that element of data and understanding the city, also working with the city and getting insights about uh, what do they think are the biggest mobility-related or infrastructure-related problems and where scooters should be deployed. And then there is the aspect of uh, actually really big uh, problem with operations as well like how do you do the operations in an optimal way so one of the things um, that we have done is that we are using solar battery scooters what's that uh, solar battery scooters are where the battery can be removed and uh, charged separately so when you do your operations you only have to bring back your batteries into the warehouse uh, not the whole scooter mm. which obviously reduces uh, the footprint of the whole operations as well. So they are much lighter weight uh, operations uh, because you're not moving scooters in your vans. And also the scooters can stay on the streets and uh, serve the consumer. Where are your scooters made? Um, we work with the manufacturers um, in China mm. and uh, we have designed uh, a custom, uh, co-designed a custom vehicle um, that we are using. And That's we are continuously yeah. working with them to evolve our models and uh, not just from like um, the perspective of uh, various types of use cases, uh, but also um, localize them mm -hmm. for this region. Um, as you know, that there are certain dynamics that make this region different. Uh, heat or temperature is one of them. Um, also the specific like uh, dynamics around the densities of our cities. Mm. So there is a lot that we need to still do. We have done quite a bit. Obviously uh, our app is in Arabic. Mm. We have uh, local friendly payment methods. 
but we want to continuously keep working on that and make sure that our vehicles and our app and overall tech is really custom and overall offering also is uh, fully customized for the region. Yeah. So uh, your previous background uh, building tech and products like this, was that a crucial role? Was that something that you had to have ready to get kind of go to market? Yeah, definitely. But I would say that uh, operations also Absolutely. played a really, really big role because yeah. you really need to understand these things and like operationalize it, have your run books and so on. Jerry, yeah. I mean, if I could just add, Right, um, like this is a new form factor right, that didn't exist when we were growing up. Yeah. Right. And uh, so we are really trying to drive market acceptance in the region, right? Uh, that we should change you know, the way we build cities from being car centric to being people centric. Yeah. You know, instead of how do we move the most cars, how do we move the most people? Yeah. Right. And so to drive that market acceptance, right, uh, and we can't just go on theory, right? We have to earn the trust and confidence of all the stakeholders, of the residents of the government, uh, partners, et cetera, right? Uh, and that requires actually uh, a holistic approach to the problem, right? Uh, we talk about, you know, designing custom vehicles that are purpose-built for continuous shared use, right? That can withstand the temperatures, the heat, et cetera, and uh, don't wear and tear and break down. Uh, we talk about, um, you know, having uh, high quality, reliable operations, ensuring the vehicles are in the right place at the right time, right? Uh, and also that they are prevented from going to the locations where it's not safe. Mm. Where, like, you know, no one should ride a scooter on Chicxayib Road, mm. right? So we have proprietary geofencing technologies. That, Unless it's uh, an official event when the roads are closed off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And then and there might be yeah. some scooter races in Dubai in, in the future, inshallah. Yeah. I very hear, well I hear they're planning something in this space, <laughs> but yeah, can do right? no comments. <laughs> <laughs> that was <Right>? telling. <laughs> and then of course working with the cities, yeah. right? Because like the like the streets don't belong to Phoenix, right? It mm. belongs to the city. Right, and the city has to decide how do they want to use that space. So you've launched this subscription service in partnership with Abu Dhabi. Uh, what what role has regulation played? Uh, you know, we're we're here in 2021. Mm -hmm. You guys launched in November 2020. I, you know, we started out at Astrolabs in 2015. There's a lot of scooter companies that have tried, that are there, that are doing well, that aren't doing well, etc. How has it changed? Like, are you guys just at the right place at the right time uh, in terms of this, or is it a competitive space? And how have you worked with the with the government? Jadeep is basically the guy who uh, created this market or introduced uh, scooters uh, to this region. So Jadeep can really speak to it. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, we really believe in working closely uh, with regulators. And uh, it's a very two-way relationship. Uh, we want to learn from them and we want to introduce them to the various aspects of like how micromobility works around the world in our region as well. But Yeah, I'd say we're still in really the formative okay. stages of uh, the, the transformation to uh, incorporate multimodal, right? And remember, we're talking about atoms, not bits, mm. right? Uh, so it takes time to change uh, the real world, right? Uh, it took a long time for all. You mean in terms of human behavior? Not uh, just human behavior. I'm saying like the roads mm. to add cycle lanes okay. to repurpose uh, car space for micro mobility. Right? Okay. Um, uh, remember, it took 
decades for all the plumbing for cars to be established in our cities, right? Uh, over the past hundred years has been all this infrastructure investment, right? And and so uh, the the interesting thing is like you look at, uh, if you take like the bird's eye view, look at what's happening like around the world, uh, how uh, many, uh, actually hundreds of cities have now started introducing this concept into their market, right? And started, uh, especially coming out of the, the pandemic, right? Accelerating their plans to, um, you know, repurpose streets for micromobility. You look at Paris, you look at London, Barcelona, Oslo, mm. uh, many others, right? New York and others, right? And even here in Dubai, right? Uh, 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 Sheikh Hamdan announced it, right? That they're going to make a, a bicycle-friendly city. Yeah, amazing. Right? Uh, you see the exciting projects in Saudi with Neom and the line. This, exactly. this really interesting space. Exactly, right? So I, I think uh, there is an alignment, right? In terms of uh, city planner like objectives, right? Uh, mm. uh, you know, facilitating commerce, reducing traffic and pollution, uh, enabling access to the metro systems that a lot of cities are uh, building here. You need that first last mile solution, right? So it is a, a meeting of the minds. Mm. Uh, generally, there's a lot of recept a positive re receptiveness when we bring these talking points, these mm. key messages, but we have to do it in baby steps, right? With small successes, right? Uh, before we make, radical changes mm. and when you yeah so what else happens like can you talk a little bit about the scooter companies like your previous uh company kareem also have scooters was that something you were involved in and how does that work yeah so um kareem scooters uh, were developed uh, relatively recently um so i i wasn't or we weren't uh, personally involved in that but generally speaking our position is that the world and our region needs other modes of transportation. Yeah. We at Phoenix cannot address the whole problem. It's a really, really massive problem. It's a hundreds of billions of dollars worth of problem. Uh, so we would we are gonna need a lot of players out there hmm. to really make a difference and uh, bring about the change. Um, it also, generally speaking, obviously having multiple operators out there. It pushes the envelope on uh, innovation mm. and also um, with adoption. So generally speaking, um, yeah, we wanna we wanna be operating in an environment where we are not the only ones uh, doing this. Mm. If it's uh, worth doing, then there better be other folks too who are working on this. Interesting. So, uh, what do you think? Um, where's the opportunity? Do you think that people will be having? a scooter on subscription, depending on their re requirements, their travel requirements, in addition to a car, or, uh, or do you, you know, is it something that you can go, okay, this is the potential market size, or does that market size get untapped or unlocked uh, when human behavior changes and when the cities change as well? Yeah, so uh, we believe that it's not about force-fitting one model for everyone, right? Uh, we want to offer choice, right? And so we talk about like different business models, yeah. right? Uh, so some people prefer the ultimate convenience of like just renting it per minute outside their door to where they drop it off. Some people prefer, you know, having the private subscription where you pay on a monthly basis, you can pause it when you go on holiday. Mm. And right? some people prefer to have their own vehicle at home, right? And uh, even other form factors in the future, not just the e-scooter, mm. right? Um, 
And so we think there's room for all of those models, right? And the, the market will um, adopt, uh, you know, the ones that resonate most in that segment and in that uh, geography or micro uh, geography, right? The other aspect is like we feel actually uh, we're sure that, you know, this is not just like a big city uh, need, mm. right? Uh, uh, smaller cities, right? Uh, also need to, uh, the residents, they also need to move around, mm. right? Uh, and so we're investing deep in the market, right? Uh, our plan is to be in all seven Emirates uh, this year mm. and all GCC markets next year, mm. right? Um, but uh, for example, I mean, we're in, we're in Russell Kema, we're in Fujera, right? Uh, a lot of demand for when, this solution. When you say you're there as in your scooters are on the ground or you're, you can accept payments and people can uh, subscribe on a monthly rental system. Yeah, so we, we are offering the, our shared uh, scooters mm. in both of those markets and Abu Dhabi, right? Uh, and also the, the monthly subscription service, MyPhoenix, uh, is expanding and uh, we, we plan to bring it to all of UAE. Okay, and can people, obviously you bright colors, can people spot your scooters? Is that how it works? Like, and they can go and rent it, but it's branded and you can see the Phoenix scooters? Yeah, the discovery is either in person, out there, offline. You see the scooter, you can scan, download the app and use it. Or if you already have the scooter, you can find the scooters through the app, Mm. wherever the closest scooter is, and you walk up to it. And ideally, if you have done a good job, it's relatively close by to you (laughs) uh, and available. So, and then you scan it or uh, you just press a button to unlock it, take a ride. And when your ride is finished, you end rent and yeah. walk away. Would you sell these scooters? You know, some people are, are buying these things as well for their homes and to commute to work like Ali and some of our, our team here. Would, do you sell the Phoenix scooter? Uh, not yet, right? Um, but uh, we're, we're not opposed to it, mm. right? And uh, there's definitely a market for owned micromobility. We see it here in Dubai, mm. right? Uh, so many people have their own scooters. And uh, that's the right choice for that customer. For that customer, yeah, interesting. Can you talk a bit, bit about investment? There's a lot of things that you've built. It's obviously made an impact early on. Did you raise funds or how does that work? Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Both try to pass the buck here. <laughs> no, uh, we're very proud, actually, um, uh, that we were the first UAE uh, tech company to uh, raise a venture round from an uh, Israel-based uh, VC fund, wow. uh, Maniv Mobility. Right. Uh, this was back in November. Mm. Right. Uh, and they are a mobility focused fund. Right. Uh, that take like old mobility capital and invest in new mobility opportunities. So some of their LPs include BMW, Mitsubishi, Renault, Nissan, Hyundai and others. Mm. Right. And their portfolio is like over four continents, 30 companies, etc. So uh, exceptional uh, domain expertise that we now have access to. Mm. Right. Um, and uh uh, you know, at present, uh, we, we've got uh, you know, a fair amount of capital uh, yeah. behind us, right? There was a 3.8 mil uh, seed first close. That's, um, a, that's a big number for a seed. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a good start, yeah. right? Um, uh, and I mean, I think our, our own perspective is that, you know, this region, right, has massive opportunity and it's actually one of the most undercapitalized when it comes to micromobility in the mm, world, mm. right? There's been hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars invested in other geographies, right? Mm. In Europe, in the US, in China, right? And almost nothing here in the Middle East, 
um, because of some doubts about the market. I think misperceptions about the market. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so what? Just what, just, yeah. just big mention of uh, our angels too. Uh, we have some uh, very strong supporters yeah. in the form of our angel investors. That's Absolutely. You, you seem to have done a remarkable job uh, from last summer to raising and to kind of getting the market product out. So well done on that. How was the sort of how is doing this fundraising and launching a product during a, a pandemic how is that how has the experience been for you i think it's always a challenge right uh, as an entrepreneur right to uh, create something new especially going from zero to one um when it's just an idea peter Thiel's book yeah <laughs> right, <laughs> right uh, so i'd be remiss if we said it was easy of course yeah. there there were a lot of challenges and i mean there are still uh, many challenges and um, I think in uh, in the depths of the pandemic, right, um, there was a lot of uncertainty as well. Right, people d didn't know like what the impact was going to be uh, on some of these like core uh, like outdoor activities, right, mm. <laughs> like moving, mm. right, uh, as opposed to being sheltered in place. Yes, yeah. right. Uh, but what we've seen uh, around the world, right, uh, is a you know a, a continuous. Uh, indefinite lockdown, right, is not sustainable, right? Mm. Uh, we're, we're not just talking about a, a health hazard, we're talking about an economic hazard mm. as well, mm. right? And and it is uh, the privileged minority that can work from home, mm. right? Uh, most people, right, their work is like, you know, service-based, right? Mm. Uh, uh, you're at the barista, right, um, or at the retail shop, or you're doing construction, or you've got to be on site, Exactly. Right, and, and that means that there's a requirement for movement of people and safe movement of people. Mm. And that's where micromobility has really stepped up mm. all over the world. Right? I think there's acceptance from governments and from operators. Right? Uh, this is the safest shared transportation solution out there. And I think that was a benefit for us as well. I'll, I'll speak to a different dimension of this question. Yes. I think uh, VCs quickly adopted to this remote pitching model as well. Yeah. So this, is, <laughs> this was very different in the beginning uh, for us and for VCs too. Uh, but I think they quickly adopted to it. And we were fortunate enough that we were able to actually meet with the investors in person in Berlin, here in Dubai. Uh, yeah. We just happened to be in the same city at the same time. Uh, but it was it didn't seem like exactly necessary in, while speaking to any investor. I think yeah. investors were willing and uh, just like quickly like they became comfortable with the idea mm. that they would have to make uh, these decisions remotely if they wanna really jump on uh, yeah. the best opportunities. But it's great to see. It's great to see. Uh, you know, the when the pandemic started people would have talked about companies that started during the last recession and things like that, and that there's appetite and energy for from entrepreneurs to look beyond the constrained mobility now and equally matched by investors who can see past what we're going through. Uh, so to touch on connecting that point with what you mentioned uh, about uh, the optimism for the region, um, how do you, you know, we always ask on this uh, podcast, it, the Middle East is labeled in some areas as an emerging market. Uh, but not all markets emerge. Uh, what's your sort of uh, outlook and optimistic uh, view on how how and when or, or if this market will emerge? Yes, uh, you know I, I feel the region is actually misunderstood uh, globally, 
right? Uh, I think there's a lot of perception bias because there's a, a media uh, concentration on uh, kind of the geopolitics, right? Uh, which is uh, also sensationalized a bit, right? And uh, if we look at it, you know, quantitatively, right? Like the GCC, 58 million people, right? Uh, uh, 38 million urban population, right? Uh, young demographics, right? Uh, I think 70% or something is under 30, right? Extremely uh, smartphone, sort of literate, uh, affluent, etc. right? There's actually a lot of profit pool opportunity here, right? Uh, which uh, I think people lose line of sight on, right? Uh, when, when you look at like India, you look at volumes in terms of transactions, but you yeah, uh, we we lose the you know the gap of like what is the profit opportunity, mm. right? And then if you look like beyond the GCC, I mean there are a lot of populist markets available, right? But it's not cookie cutter, mm. right? And and there's probably a, a lot we can learn from Southeast Asia, which has some similarities, right? Uh, being a diverse, fragmented region, right? Uh, but where local entrepreneurs, you know, are able to uh, look at that as a TAM. Mm. Right. Uh, even though like what you do in Indonesia is going to be very different from what you do in Singapore mm. or Philippines or Vietnam. Mm. Right. Uh, but as a block, it, it can be very, very uh, uh, sizable in town. Yeah. And, and so we need to do a better job of, of selling that story. Mm. Right. And, and having, you know, the success, uh, uh, successful exits, I guess, uh, yeah. that, that demonstrate it. And, and we're getting there. Mm. Right? I think when we compare like where we are today versus like, Three years ago versus five years ago versus 10 years ago. I mean, a uh, trend is definitely in the right direction. Mm. Um, but yes, we need to tell the story better. Yeah. Amazing. And to, to think about it from a startup uh, point of view, uh, because we could talk about it from a, you know, a total GDP of the region versus other regions, etc., cetera, or um, different measurements. But if we just talk about it from a startup point of view, do you think... Um, you know, more headlines like exits and unicorns uh, will help change the perception? Or do you think that the ecosystem needs not just exits, needs a not just um, foreign acquisition exits, but different types of exits, such as uh, regional listings and different sorts of different types of startups as well, not exits, uh, you know, uh, long-term meaningful businesses, et cetera, with helping ecosystems with more employment, more jobs and things like that. What, what's your kind of view of that or all of the above? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say that uh, Kareem's exit has been a really big boon for the ecosystem here. And we cannot underestimate the power of exits. Um, this has brought uh, about a difference for the tech ecosystem or startup ecosystem in India. Yeah. And with uh, a few great exits, uh, most notably Kareem, is bringing a difference or like making a difference for this region as well. Investments are obviously very important and to investors, uh, exits are important. Hmm. Uh, but as you were hinting at, um, there are many dimensions to this. Um, developing talent is very important. Um, previously, obviously, it was very hard to find talent locally uh, for various uh, types of uh, problem sets that we wanted to work on at Kareem. When I joined uh, here, uh, moved from the valley to build in-house engineering team. Uh, my initial hypothesis or thesis was, uh, or a prerequisite was, that to have a team outside the region as well. So we started an R&D hub or tech hub in Berlin 
most specifically to be able to attract talent that could work on data science and machine learning problems wow. and also large scale building large scale distributed systems. Um, today, obviously, thanks to companies like Kareem and other tech names as well, there is quite a bit of uh, local talent available as well. Hmm. And we also want to contribute to that talent pool as well. So that's one thing. Then thinking through the various business uh, models, um, innovation, um, having, as you said, like companies that don't really need to be sold, um, especially to the outside bidders, all of those things will definitely help. Mm. Yes. And then uh, access to capital, mm. right? If we look at, I mean, it's a wealthy region, but, uh, you know, investment in venture is actually a very, very low percentage of GDP. I think it's like 0.2, 0.3%, mm. which is like one-tenth of the ratio that you see in, in like the US. Wow. Right. Uh, so, uh, that, that's a, another important catalyst, right? Is selling access to capital and even like local conglomerates as a exit opportunity, you know, uh, trade sales, even locally, not just, yeah. you know, an international company. And then of course, you know, having the, the listing, I mean, not just a trade sale, mm. like being able to go public. Why not? Mm. Right. I think there are a handful of examples now, right? Uh, there's like Fauri in Egypt. Um, there was a, a social app in Saudi that just went public on, I think, on the NASDAQ. Mm. Um, and we'll see more of them. Uh, yeah. That I'm sure of. Amazing. So you took it. So last question, and we'll finish up. Uh, on the regional expansion, uh, we had uh, Trucker on here recently and, and eCar in, in this sort of wider space, and they've talked about regional expansion. But I, I think you, you mentioned it's not a cookie cutter approach, but What's your view on it in terms of cities and countries? Like, do you have a teams on the ground or do you need partnerships or how do you do that? Yeah, um, Jaydeep is really the expert in this, but um, but my perspective is that uh, while there is a lot in common across the cities and countries in this uh, region, it's also really diverse. Like in terms of, if you look at the broader region, uh, Mina, um, you have uh, lower GDP countries as well. It's fairly fragmented as well when you look at like tech-wise and uh, also you know just really solving the problem. So we want we strongly believe in solving the problem for each city and uh, country. Um, there is a lot to be done just to understand the consumer, um, the various integrations from part with partners and so on. But cities also. So we do have uh, local teams everywhere, and we work. Uh, they work very closely uh, with the with the authorities and with the local partners. Jelly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to add on to that, I think uh, when you have a pure digital service, right? Um, you know, that could be like location agnostic in many cases, right? Uh, and that's how you have like some of these. Valley companies that are like very big here in the Middle East and elsewhere, like Facebook and mm. YouTube and mm. Snapchat, etc. Right. When you have an online and offline experience, right, uh, it requires a lot more uh, of a localized approach and a hyperlocal uh, approach, like we have with our micromobility solution, which is even uh, not just on a city level, even on a neighborhood level, right. Uh, so that's uh, one one part of it. Right. The second is that uh, you know the uh, the diversity in the market and uh, the fragmentation of the market, you know, requires management attention, right? And, and this is one of the reasons why 
like uh, this region should have its own regional champions, mm. right? Uh, because you can't just do it remotely, right? You can't unlock the full potential in this market uh, given the all the complexity uh, mm. required, right? And so having a team based here, focused here, right, can really penetrate the market a lot deeper than uh, someone who uh, sees this as like one of their six or seven regions in the world. Yeah, yeah, a very important point there, not just country level, not just city level, but neighborhood level, mm. because the use cases can differ a lot. For mm. example, in some areas you have the tourist segment uh, as your primary consumer, mm. but in other places you have commuters. Similarly, you have in some cities you have uh, metro, in mm. certain others you don't. So we really need to understand each city. Amazing. Well, I think you you hit a really important point to finish on that uh, your USP or your your moat uh, against maybe some of the well funded competitors in the US for this region is that you know the market, you're based here, and uh, you're going to take a lot of learnings, a lot of experience uh, to grow Phoenix uh, in the Middle East. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for coming on. I love the branding again. And I will, if, if we don't hear of you, we will definitely see you. So looking forward to following your journey. Thank you so Thanks much. For inviting Thanks us. a lot. Use the Phoenix service. And also, if you're interested in any role, apply to us. We are yes. looking for great talent. And it's spelled F-E-N-I-X, Phoenix. <laughs> Lovely. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.